Hey there, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast, the MSW Lounge podcast, uh, weekly posting conversations with people who live healthy lives and kind of just talking about how they do it. Um, We're turning health into a verb, and we're super proud of that. My name is Allison. You'll hear my voice a little bit, but we also have Jonathan Mendoza, our nurse practitioner and chiropractor at MSW Lounge. Um, today we interviewed Anne-Marie Garland from Grass-Fed Salsa. She is the nutritionist behind Ditch Your Nutritionist, a self-paced online program that allows people to configure their own dietary program based on their needs. And Anne-Marie is awesome because she really helps women figure out what foods work for them, what foods don't, and how to be able to read that in your body. Um, We had a really good conversation with her. It was a lot of fun, and we learned a lot of stuff. Anne-Marie is currently pregnant, so we get into that a little bit, and it's just a really um, all around a great great podcast. We had a lot of fun, so thanks, Anne-Marie. She is also the co-host of the Unbound Healing Podcast, um, which you can go ahead and find. I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, so this episode is episode four of the How Do You Health podcast, and we're brought to you as always by Slenderella, the liver detoxing fat burning shot, um, and Flabs to Fitness, uh, bringing you 20 minute workouts you can do anywhere. Uh, Today we are also brought to you by Hemp360, and um, they are a skincare and lotion company, making all of their products from natural sources, um, specifically hemp, uh, but they also use things like coconut oil and charcoal and coffee and, um, depending on the product, uh, a bunch of different natural and anti-inflammatory things that will treat your skin well without adding toxins to it. Love them, and they've actually given us a discount code that is good through October 15th. If you use the code FLABS2FITNESS25 at checkout, you will get 25% off of your purchase on hemp360.com. So that is H-E-M-P-360.com. Use the code F-L-A-B-S-T-O-F-I-T-N-E-S-S-25 at checkout, and you will get 25% off your entire order on Hemp360's website. I love their stuff. I've recently reviewed them, and they're just an awesome company based out of New Braunfels, Texas. Um, And since we're in Austin, it's kind of close to my heart that they're nearby. So check them out for sure, and enjoy the show. We are live on Facebook and on Instagram now. Awesome. Hey, guys. Welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Here we have John Mendoza, of course, and we have Anne-Marie Garland with us today. How's it going, guys? Good. So y'all were just chatting a little bit, um, got some good conversation heading y'all's way. Uh, first, let's just go ahead and start. Um, John, I know you're super into nutrition, so Anne has a pretty cool history with that, but why don't you just kind of give us your, your overview, Anne? Um, we always say, how do you health? So in a nutshell, how do you health? What brought you um, to wanting to live a healthier lifestyle? So my healthy lifestyle actually started in kind of like a false sense, I guess. It started with a with aesthetic goals, which I think is how a lot of women kind of start their health journey. But mine was in college. I gained weight really rapidly. It actually 
kind of started in high school, but it really took a turn for the worst in college. And so I developed some very disordered eating tendencies, which lasted about three years. Eventually even worked its way into a full-blown eating disorder, which I don't really talk about very much. It's something that I'm still kind of trying to process myself, even though I'm on the other side of it. But it didn't really change until I got rid of some destructive, or I guess I, I wouldn't say destructive, but just unhealthy relationships in my life and started dating my now husband. So moving towards a much better, <laughs> much better um, relationship, much more supportive relationship. And once I did that, my health took a much better turn. So not only did my health improve, but also I was able to kind of work my way out of that disordered eating tendencies, able to work through my eating disorder. And I think a huge portion of that was my husband's support, but also it was his education. So previously, like all of my health and nutrition education came from like self magazine and healthy living blogs and was all focused on calories. And after I met James, I started focusing more on my autoimmune diseases that I was diagnosed with and like the health issues that I'm actually passionate about now. And a lot of that education came directly from my husband. It also came from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. So I got my health coaching certification there. And then it furthered that education uh, with nutritional therapy. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So now I help other women kind of break free of the dieting mentality. And they do that through autoimmune protocols or elimination diets to just figure out what the perfect diet is for them rather than going more towards dogmatic diet, dieting and being told what to eat. That's cool. So uh, I know that you said you've been certified in, in as a nutritionist, and so you talked about doing that for an autoimmune disorder, like a client and all that. But you said that you have a couple. Mm -hmm. So do you mind sharing like what you're yeah. what you're dealing with? Yeah, of course. So I've been diagnosed with several. I was diagnosed with celiac disease when I was 21 years old, and so it was right after I graduated college, and my entire life I was probably dealing with celiac disease. I mean, I like as a child was always complaining of stomach aches and never like nausea. And so my mom, who's a nurse is now kind of kicking herself. She's like, Oh yeah, like it makes sense. Now you were always saying your stomach hurt, but not that I like felt sick or anything like that. But I was just diagnosed with IBS and chronic constipation. Mm -hmm. And then finally, like being in the dorms and sharing a bathroom with like 20 other girls, I found out that going to the bathroom once every three weeks was not a normal thing um, because nobody talks about constipation yeah. um, or how often they should be going to the bathroom. So I found out that it wasn't normal, that I was only going to the bathroom every few weeks. That sucks. And things started kind of escalating. My health started deteriorating. Um, it all kind of came to a head. I was severely anemic and my roommates took me to the emergency room because of severe stomach distension. I found out I was severely anemic. I uh, went back to my primary care doctor to kind of find out why they thought I had some type of internal bleeding. They talked about cancer and bone marrow testing. And finally, a, a hematologist, which is a blood specialist, suggested I go on a gluten-free diet. And this was nine, 
nine years ago now. So I had no idea really what gluten-free was at the time. He said, I think you have celiac disease and that's what's causing this. Go on a gluten-free diet. So I did, and within a month, um, my iron levels were all normal. And so then they tested me for celiac disease, which came back negative. At that point, I'd already been gluten-free for eight weeks. Um, but the hematologist told me that with my, like, with as profound results as I had from being gluten-free that I likely had celiac disease. So I've just lived my life in that way. I say that I have celiac disease. I don't really care that I didn't get a positive diagnosis. I know some people are very strict about that, but for me, it's like, if you know something is working for you, why not just live your life in that way? Mm -hmm. Um, I was also diagnosed with endometriosis when I was like 17 or 18. I was on, um, birth control to kind of help alleviate those symptoms. Now, again, this was another like assumption diagnosis, I guess you could say, because I didn't have an internal scope to confirm that I had endometriosis. And so that could be an issue still, it could not. Uh, but my periods, I went off birth control. Um, again, when I met my husband, he kind of helped influence me in the direction of getting off synthetic hormones. And at that point, I was off birth control for several months and I uh, was experiencing still hormonal issues that I had been experiencing for a long time. And so I went to a integrative doctor and was diagnosed with PCOS at that point. So instead of taking bioidentical hormones, I did a lot of research on different supplements I could take and different ways to help um, support my body in its own ability to like kind of fight that off and implemented an autoimmune protocol and within a year a different doctor so I never went back to that same doctor who diagnosed me with PCOS but I went to a different one he looked at my labs my current labs with the labs that I had from a year prior and he said that I didn't have any signs of PCOS anymore but um based on my previous stuff like test results who would have diagnosed me with the same thing. So either I was misdiagnosed or I healed it within a year. Yeah. So you said you did an autoimmune protocol. Can you explain kind of what that is? Yeah. So autoimmune protocol is what I focus my practice on now. It's not what I started out doing, but this is the primary focus now. And the autoimmune protocol is an elimination and reintroduction diet that helps to put autoimmune diseases and symptoms into remission. And the way it works is by eliminating a strategic set of foods that are known to trigger autoimmune diseases for a variety of different reasons. And those reasons vary depending on what the food is, but it's going to be egg, soy, gluten, dairy, grains, nightshade vegetables, nuts and seeds, um, refined sugars, alcohol, so free of all these things that make it very, very difficult for somebody like me who has disordered eating uh, history to comply with. And it's, it's something that I feel like is very in need of like having support through the process and grace with yourself. So not trying to do it with 100% compliance if that doesn't work for you and just having a lot of like freedom and flexibility within that template. And eventually getting to a place where you can comply with it 100% so you can really see the success that it can provide. So you listed a ton of stuff that you can't eat yeah. on this protocol. I find when I'm explaining AIP, it's a lot easier to say what I can eat. 
so it freaks people out less. So what do you eat on this protocol? Yeah, so it's it's funny that you say that because I was just in one of my online programs. I was just talking with uh, my my students about about this exact same topic. Going to a restaurant instead of saying I can't have this, this, and this. What can I have on your menu? Instead, saying is there a way that you can make me as an example, is there a way you can make me a filet, a salmon filet with olive oil instead of butter and then some sauteed vegetables that you saute in olive oil and sea salt, no spices. And that would be something where they're like, oh yeah, actually we have all of those things, we can make that for you. Or maybe they can't. Um, but those are just ways that you can like make it easier for you to be able to dine out and comply rather than trying to tell somebody, these are all of the things that I can't do. I've seen people like give out a card of like, don't give me this. Yeah. Like, like a medical bracelet they wear. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which works, but then it's overwhelming for somebody else. And they're like, well, I don't even know. This looks like completely overwhelming. I have no idea what you could eat. Um, so what I eat when I am following the autoimmune protocol and to clarify this, so this is a very strategic thing. So you, you eliminate these foods for a certain amount of time until a certain amount of healing has occurred. And that's going to look different for everybody based on how long you've been sick. For example, um, is pretty much the way to start. But after you get to a good place in your health and your healing journey, at that point you would start to reintroduce the foods in a very strategic way. And what that does is it allows you to identify which of those foods are triggering your autoimmune disease. And so for me, I've been through this, I tried it twice as a vegetarian. I was a vegetarian since I was a little kid and didn't succeed either time. I lasted no more than a week each time. It was just too restrictive in that capacity. So I focused on reintroducing animal proteins into my diet and then tried it again a third time with a different mindset and was just in a much better place with my history with food or my relationship with food and had a lot of success within the first week. And I have different theories on why I found success so quickly. I have no idea if they're legit or not, but um, I don't happen to have the MTHFR gene mutation of like detoxing. I have the COMT uh, gene mutation, but um, that's more for neurotransmitters rather than the way that you detoxify other things. So I think maybe I was just able to like process everything really well as it was coming out of my body. Anyway. So I felt really good within a week, which helped motivate me to stay on it for for quite a while. Um, Anyway, so now I'm at the point where I know what triggers my autoimmune diseases and I'm able to like customize my diet on like what AIP foods I can and cannot include into my diet. And the way I look at foods and the way I kind of classify foods for both myself and for my students in my online program is uh, you have your besties, your acquaintances, and your enemies. So your besties are the foods that you can eat all the time on a daily basis, get hang out with them all the time. The acquaintances you can see at social occasions and holidays and the enemies you avoid at all costs. And with the enemies, I do have some enemies that sneak their way into my diet and then I have some enemies that are just like totally non-negotiable. So for me personally, having celiac, I have like gluten is an enemy that is completely non-negotiable. I will never intentionally eat it. But then I have some enemies like nuts and seeds that don't I don't tolerate well. They make me pretty emotional. But if I'm like at girls' night hanging out with my friends and I'm in like a relaxed atmosphere, I may 
sneak a, you know, gluten-free cookie that has nuts and seeds because I feel like that being with my girlfriends will help negate the emotional effects that I get from nuts and seeds. And those cookies are delicious. I go to girls' night with Anne, and they're wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have, I have a question with the concerning the emotional aspect. Uh, you keep talking about the gut issue, mm-hmm. and then I heard you talk about a genetic issue. You mentioned the methylation factor issue, mm-hmm. as well as Conti. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you found? Because it sounds like you have some mental health uh, issues that you've been dealing with. You mentioned the eating disorder. Tell me how fixing your gut health helped you with your mental health. You know, it's, I've never made that connection until you just now said this. So <laughs> that's really interesting to me. I wonder how much of my former like eating tendencies were related to me eating foods that I didn't tolerate well and how a lot of those tendencies and the eating disorder were able to resolve themselves as I, I healed my gut. Because I know now, what I didn't know then, and I actually just recently found out about this Comte genetic mutation, is that what the Comte mutation does is it, your body can't process, uh, or it doesn't detoxify your neurotransmitters well. And so people with the Comte mutation have anxiety, depression, rage. Now, I don't have depression or rage, but I have always had anxiety. Um, it used to be a lot worse, but I've noticed that the cleaner I eat and the more like magnesium rich foods I eat, the better I feel because those help me detoxify those neurotransmitters. So I'm curious now if yeah. that had a correlation with all of that. Well, the reason I ask is because a lot of times we associate the brain as a, uh, or the gut as the second brain. Mm-hmm. So the reason why is because you keep mentioning neurotransmitters like the duodenum produces more serotonin than the brain does. Like I think it produces 95% of our serotonin. So if you have an intestinal tract that can't digest any food, it's no wonder why people are depressed all the time. I mean, they feel like, hey, I love this brownie or this, you know, this almond uh, cookie or whatever, but I can't eat it because it's going to tear me up inside and then it's not going to make me feel good and I'm going to feel guilty about it and maybe I even have a little depression and you know because of it. And the reason I ask about cleaning it up is because a lot of times when we eat food, we look at it as a, a fixation on love or emotion, right? Like you talk about that. Like I know in my family, if you don't have a third helping of food, it means that you didn't love them as much that day because you didn't eat their food, you know? So it's not, I don't know where this association with loving food comes into play, but food is really nutrients, right? Like, so you talked about cleaning up your food and their enemies. And I love that aspect of where you say, these are my besties. And I'm sure you have some frenemies on that list too. But I mean, if, if you have your outlook on it to where you say, this is something that gets along with me, not necessarily because it makes me feel better, but because it also is healing me from the inside, then you look at food differently. And so I'm pretty sure that even mentally, the way that you view like a salad versus what you used to back in the day, now you probably have it where say, well, this is gonna be something that adds to my health, not only with my gut health, but mostly my mental health, because now I know that I feel better when I eat this way. Yep, yeah. exactly. There's a podcast that touched on this same topic uh, from All in the Mind, and it was about like the way the gut brain is connected. And it's something that I talk about in my program too, because your vagus nerve connects directly to your Um, your brain directly to your gut and so and they're said that they they transmit the bacteria from your gut there's like this relationship between the symbiotic bacteria in your gut and this nerve in your brain and so it is something that I feel like definitely needs to be explored further into how mental health is related to gut health yeah no I, I agree completely and I find it to where 
if people have an eating disorder, one of the things they fixate on is depression. And you you hear about these people who like basically binge eat, not the anorexic ones, right? But the binge eaters, they overcompensate, they eat, overindulge, and then they get rid of it. And there's this connection that you have to where this food, even though it doesn't agree with you, you still kind of continue through that cycle of depression. And you know when you start looking at it, you, you wonder why people can't get out of this cycle, right? If they don't make a huge dramatic change. And so mm-hmm. something like you did was probably a 180 from what you had been doing before, right? Right. But you said this was like 10 years ago, right? So like you can imagine what gluten-free products were like back then. I'm pretty sure there weren't even gluten-free products, right? right? You had to probably say, well, I'm just not going to eat bread. Yeah, there was Czech cereal, really crappy bread. And yeah, the cardboard stuff that fell apart. Yeah, yeah. so I pretty much ate like any low calorie food I could, like yeah. 100 calorie bags of popcorn and Because you were still dealing with the, the disorder of like, I don't want to eat a lot of calories at yeah. that time too. That. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say too about like the, um, the depression and the eating disorder um, kind of connection both of those conditions as mental states on their own are associated with low serotonin levels so mm-hmm. like again if you're binging on food that doesn't agree with you so therefore your gut isn't creating serotonin then you're sad or if you start out sad and then you start binging to try and feel better you get a hit of the happy hormone dopamine for a little bit yeah. but then it screws up your gut and causes your long-term serotonin to drop and then perpetuates the cycle that way it's like anywhere you start you're going to just kind of hop into this cycle that continues to per- push itself well we're, we're ingrained into this this idea that we're so fixated on food because the same receptors in the brain that go for pain or opioids and all that are the same things that go for chocolate and sugar and sugar so like if you like think about it, like i stopped drinking like six years ago and you know beer was like my go-to drink and so it was all sugar right so when i stopped drinking my brain was like, we need sugar. Like we need it somehow. So I went on a tele, like on a telefix and drank tons of Dr. Pepper after that because mm-hmm. my brain needed those receptors to work again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you wonder why there's such a, a heavy connection to food is because we only, we need that food for nutrients, but we need it in order to function. So like we need dopamine and serotonin levels mm-hmm. to be there. And if our gut is being disrupted because the flora in the gut is not able to absorb all the nutrients we're taking in, then no wonder we're going to have poor levels of serotonin. We'll walk around all depressed all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of hormone levels too, I just wanted to bring this back to Anne a little bit. She, if you guys can't tell in the videos because she's very tall, she's 27 <laughs> weeks pregnant. Uh, how tall are you? 5'11". 5'11". So she doesn't look as pregnant as she is. <laughs> she stands up and in the videos you really can't even tell. Um, so you said you had PCOS mm-hmm. and then you kind of use your food to heal, heal yourself a little bit through that. Like, did you find, have you been testing hormones? Like how did you come to be able to be pregnant now? And yeah. All that stuff? So I had a miscarriage that my husband and I tried to start, we decided to start trying, um, last year around, I want to say like September and got pregnant really quickly and then I had a miscarriage in January and we don't know what caused the miscarriage um, but we anyway so at that point my James actually got me a uh, Dutch hormone panel for our anniversary gift in mm-hmm. April which everybody thinks is hilarious but <laughs> he did that because he, he said well this will help us to have a baby we'll know like what your hormones are doing throughout the month we'll know if it was like low progesterone or something that caught, triggered the miscarriage and we ended up getting pregnant before I could even take the test so um, I 
obviously don't have any trouble conceiving. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing that AIP is working really well for PCOS for me and for endometriosis and that fact. Um, and this one's stuck, so we're hoping that everything continues to go well. Can I, well, I, well, I want to ask you something real quick. So do you have like family history of PCOS and mm -hmm. like the polycystic ovarian syndrome? is the tip, the name actually of this and the reason I find this very interesting is because we're talking about hormones in this um, the drug that's given for that for women is, is metformin mm -hmm. right and metformin is a diabetic drug so I was wondering like do you have diabetes in your family mm -hmm. no no there's no diabetes in my family there's a, a very on both sides of my family I have um, autoimmunity issues but nobody was diagnosed with celiac so it just kind of manifested in a different way for me, I guess. So, so you're the very unique blend of all these weird mm -hmm. genetic things that are popping up from this, like this mix of PCOS, endometriosis, which is also a uterine disorder too, right? Mm -hmm. So like an overgrowth of the lining, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes it harder to yes. get pregnant as well. Yes. And it's painful as well, yes. right? So you're telling me that the diet that you switched around, not only was for celiac disease, but it was mm -hmm. helping you with possible endometriosis and PCOS, and yes. now you're saying it's also keeping you pregnant on top of that. Yeah, so actually I'm, I can't take credit for that because uh, my first trimester was horrible. I was hardly eating any food and what I was eating was not AIP at all. So I, I had a lot of uh, white potatoes and like gluten-free waffles. That's yeah. pretty much all I could eat. So I can't take credit for AIP keeping me uh, pregnant and like keeping this pregnancy healthy. But previously, I was following AIP. Prior to both conceptions, I was following AIP, and I specifically did that for health, like for conception health. So, yeah, um, yeah that, that was the intent. And the reason why this potentially could work is that endometriosis is debated, but it's, it is to be considered an autoimmune disease as mm -hmm. is PCOS. And mm -hmm. so both of those, the autoimmune protocol would ideally help. Um, yeah. so, something, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so do they watch your blood sugar now and like, do they, do they monitor that closely? Yeah, I usually have low blood sugar. Um, I'll have to take the blood sugar test. Uh, so I have a glucometer that I'll have to test myself with, um, in the next week to make sure everything's good with pregnancy. But um, yeah, blood sugar hasn't really ever been an issue for me. It's just been too low, though. My dad, yeah, my dad is hypoglycemic, too, so... Which is interesting. Like, PCOS is an insulin issue, right? Mm -hmm. So it might be that you have... You eat so well that your insulin never spikes too much, right? And so you yeah. always have like a really low blood sugar, so you probably get hangry a lot, right? When yes, <laughs> um, it's gotten better. When I when I was diagnosed with PCOS, I was also diagnosed with insulin resistance, and what I credit my like success with with uh, getting that under control was butter coffee. So I drank butter coffee, ate a really low carb diet for about a year. It worked really, really well for me. I know it doesn't work for everybody. But I drink butter coffee probably like four to five days a week for breakfast. So I did intermittent fasting. And I made sure that I ate a lot of calories throughout the day. So it wasn't a low calorie diet. It was just pretty much low carb. And honestly, until I got pregnant, I might me and my husband were both eating pretty low carb um, in general. But I'm very much like an intuitive eater now. This is something that I've kind of developed over the last couple of years with AIP. And so there, I don't track anything anymore. And so I just go through periods where I'll eat 
an entire bag of Jackson's on a sweet potato chips because I feel like I need the carbs and that's what feels good to me. And then I won't have anything like super high starch for a few days after that. You know, I just kind of go with whatever. That's cool. Whatever feels good. And pretty much as soon as I was done with, um, with like once I got tested for PCOS and found out that that was better and that my I wasn't showing signs of insulin resistance anymore, I kind of just stopped craving butter coffee and started eating breakfast again. So I feel like if you if you can tune into like what your body is actually telling you, it will like guide you in the right direction. Right. I was just gonna ask uh, something you mentioned at our last girls' night a couple weeks ago. You can correct me if this is no longer the case, but you were saying that. Since you've gotten pregnant, you haven't noticed as many autoimmune reactions mm-hmm. because your immune system's kind of tampered with when you're pregnant. Can you like elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so from my understanding, I'm not an expert on this, but uh, from my understanding, your immune system is suppressed when you're pregnant, and so that's why pregnant women tend to get sick quicker. Um, but because of that, also can help women's autoimmune diseases go into remission during pregnancy. And so every single food that I have realized triggers my autoimmune disease, I've been able to tolerate without any issue since I've been pregnant. The only thing I haven't tried is gluten. Isn't that that so cool? That makes sense because (laughs) like if you think, if you go to a rheumatologist, I know you mentioned hematologist, but let's Mm -hmm. say something showed up like a positive ANA, you're like, oh, now you got to see the rheumatologist. Mm -hmm. They would put you on uh, autoimmune drugs that suppress the immune system, Mm -hmm. right? And so like tamoxifen is one of the ones that they give. Uh, prednisone is another one that they give too but like they always if you listen to commercials on TV if they have like um, RA for example they say at the very end the side effect could be weakened immune system if you get uh, susceptible to pneumonia or something like that like then it's going to lead to possible side effects that would include an infection so like when you compromise your immune system it's amazing because you're almost like teetering back and forth with your autoimmune disorder, right? So like, if you look at it, you're managing it, right? Mm -hmm. So it might not ever go away, but you know that you can manage the symptoms based off of what your body's telling you. But I mean, what happens if someone doesn't recognize that it's not normal to go to the bathroom for a whole week? You know, like, I mean, what do you tell people who are living with chronic pain or gut issues and that haven't, they've seen all these doctors and said, well, they told me everything was fine. Like, what what do you tell them? Well, I tell them that's not normal. Like if they, if they aren't feeling energized and excited, then it's not normal. They're experiencing some type of either chronic inflammation or chronic pain, or, um, they just aren't as healthy as they could be and that there's a better way around that. It's interesting that you're bringing this up now because in um, my podcast, I have a podcast called the Unbound Healing Podcast and it's geared towards autoimmune and chronic illness. And we do something each week where we have a, like what we're up to and our weekly updates. And I was actually just thinking the other day, I forgot to mention it when I recorded today, but um, about how I feel really happy. Like every single day I feel very happy with my life and very fulfilled. And it's not because of job satisfaction or relationship. It's just because I feel very healthy. I feel like, even when I feel tired because I didn't have a good night's sleep, I still feel really great. And that's not something that I could have said 10 years ago when I was dealing with chronic fatigue and reflux and I was getting winded just by walking because I was so anemic and all of these things that at the time I didn't even realize were an issue. A lot of those I didn't know 
were issues until somebody told me they were issues. I started being on medication and then would go off the medication and it would come back and I'm like, oh yeah, like I, so for example, when they tested me for celiac disease, they did an upper GI and found out I have a very large hiatal hernia and they, so they put me on a, they were like, well, do you get reflux? Do you get heartburn? I said, no. And so they put me on an acid blocker and when I found out what it was actually doing and that I probably shouldn't be on that, I went off of it and immediately got reflux. And I was like, I remember feeling this my entire life. But it was one of those things where I didn't know that I wasn't feeling good at that moment. And so now I just feel like if you're not happy in your day-to-day life and it's not triggered by something that you can like identify, then I would assume that you probably aren't as healthy as you could be and you could benefit from changing your diet, changing your lifestyle, changing your mindset. Yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, as we encounter more and more autoimmune disorders, it no longer is it just lupus we're looking for, RA. I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of mm-hmm. disorders. You keep talking celiac as an autoimmune disorder, PCOS. I mean, Hashimoto's is a very common right. one, you know, and, and I, I gave myself gout, you know, from poor eating habits, and that's like an autoimmune mm-hmm. disorder for me too. So like even low back issues, could that be considered an autoimmune disorder? Possibly to some extent. You created it and your body's like, gonna have to deal with it for the rest of their life but I mean most people don't realize that there's a way to make themselves healthier by simply changing their diet and that the, the thing you keep referring to is like you know the autoimmune protocol and if somebody were to say hey like I want to make this change because it might help me with my knee pain or my back pain or my mm-hmm. skin I mean most doctors are not going to tell them about this protocol right most doctors do not know what this is right yes. so they have to search out someone like yourself who maybe has lived the story and says, yes, this is a protocol to look for, right? So you said like you do like online seminars or, or, or training and mm-hmm. lectures like stuff too, right? Right. So I have one program and it has two different routes. One of them is through the autoimmune protocol, but there's also a standard route that is more similar to like a paleo template. Okay. Either route will take you through an elimination phase, a reintroduction phase, and then a customization phase. And they're both focused on gut healing and anti-inflammatory aspects. And so it would help anybody who's dealing with either an autoimmune disease or who is dealing with there's also a mindset component to it. Um, I'm the way that I got my training through IIN focuses on something called primary foods, which are actually not foods at all. And it's other factors in your life that are impacting your health aside from food. The first time I was actually introduced to that though, was when I went to a nutritionist and she is actually, I can credit her for my breakup with my previous boyfriend and uh does she know that yeah i told her (laughs) um actually i think i told like a friend who is still seeing her to tell her but i didn't (laughs) anyway um she told me she's like okay well you're getting sick every single night after work i'm like yes that's that's what's happening and she said okay and it's happening after you get home I said yes and I lived with my boyfriend at the time and and she says well what's happening at home that was the first time where I thought like well crap this is only happening when I'm around my ex-boyfriend like what what's happening here and I just started realizing like this relationship is unfulfilling and it wasn't that it was like a like abusive relationship or anything like that but it was not fulfilling it was not supportive to me and so every single day it was this anxiety and this depression about going home and spending time with this person that wasn't right for me and it 
was just this moment of clarity and I ended up within like a week or two breaking up with him and then within a few weeks I met my husband so um that was just kind of the story there but anyway so there is uh it, within the program aside from food there is this uh, this other aspect of fulfillment throughout the rest of your life and how that's impacting your health and with autoimmunity specifically with health specifically the two primary issues i would say even over food that i see that are impacting people's health is their stress levels and their sleep and for me personally when i dialed in my sleep these last couple years it was such a huge health transformation i mean the it was so profound the difference um, between my former sleep habits and now and how different I feel from getting like a poor night's sleep to a good night's sleep. So I would definitely say like focusing on that aside from the foods, but really tailoring your diet to finding out like what foods you're eating that are causing an inflammatory response to you. And you can do that very easily by putting yourself through a very strategic elimination diet that's suited towards your health goals and your symptoms. And then through a strategic reintroduction phase, and tracking everything along the way. So that's what really makes my program different than things like the Whole30, for example, is uh, we have interactive worksheets and food and mood trackers. So you are tracking every single thing that you're eating, how you're feeling before, how you're sleeping, what your stress level is like. And that way you can go back and see like, okay, avocados seem to always make me like every time I eat an avocado at lunch I'm feeling like sleepy in the afternoon so maybe having that much fat at lunch isn't benefiting me so then you can try to like reformat your diet to have more carbohydrates rather than fat at lunch or or maybe it's dinner but everybody is different and everybody's gonna respond to foods differently and that way you don't just find out like what food is causing and inflammation for you but what foods are making you feel your best and feel really great and those become your new besties and besties can be besties at different times of the day like maybe you tolerate more carbohydrate really well at night and it helps you sleep better which makes you feel better so it helps you guide you through the process of identifying all those different factors That's what's fun. your program called ditch your nutritionist Ditch your nutritionist, but I thought you're a nutritionist. Yeah, so <laughs> it's um it's putting me out of the job. So I teach you how to design your own diet, and it's a a template that you can reuse as many times as you want, and it's a self-paced ebook that you can do if you are very highly motivated. It's not it's a six-week program, so it's not easy to go through on your own. If you feel like you need more support, I do have online coaching that goes with it with supplemental video lessons and group coaching calls and um an accountability buddy you get signed with an accountability yeah. buddy that's nice yeah. that sounds awesome that sounds pretty inclusive much much better than when you hear a doctor say hey go home and eat better go exercise like, right. well what am i supposed to do what am i supposed to eat right right so well and even going to like if somebody were just to say okay i'm just going to do the paleo diet well there may be foods that so I communicate with you I teach you why I personally may never want to eat corn on a day-to-day -day basis because of this reason and this reason these are why I don't feel it's a health promoting food but just because I, I that's very important to me does not mean that that's going to be really important to you and so it's important for you to identify how you react to that food so you know like do I want to include this on a day-to-day -day basis or do I want to just include this occasionally or not at all, depending on how you tolerate the food personally? Yeah, so 
you're teaching someone to listen to the body, how they respond. Yes. Which is empowering that person with education to realize if food is my medicine, how is this medicine treating me? What's the side mm-hmm. effect from it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. So um, I I love this. This is great because I I'd say I'm proud of everything that you've been doing because if you have not one but three possible autoimmune disorders and you're able to not only get pregnant, help your celiac issue, and at the same time just feel better mentally, like you're doing that all through your own path and you've done it through nutrition and you're an inspiration to people out there who are going through the same issue because unfortunately it is very common for a female to be constipated for, you know, two to three, four days. You know, it is an issue for them to not be able to get pregnant. It is an issue to have an eating disorder and be depressed. I mean, these are common issues that most people don't address. And if they do address it and they have the courage to speak to a doctor, they just give them medicine and none of that's gonna fix the issue, right? So you went out of your way to say, look, I was tired of going that route. I'm going to do something. Even if I can't fix the issue, I'm gonna manage it much better than just the medicinal route. And, And you've done it and you are spreading the word and other people who have these issues can come to you and you can help them as well, which mm-hmm. I think is incredible. So you're changing the world through food again. I yeah, mean, that's that's really that's cool. That's the goal. That's the goal. So uh, the blog is... My blog is grassfedsalsa.com. Okay, awesome. And then uh, we can find you Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. And your podcast again? My podcast is Unbound Healing. Awesome. So you're in Austin, but if people mm-hmm. needed to see you, like, you know, maybe out of state or whatnot, they can find you online? Yeah, so I don't work one-on-one with clients anymore, but the way to work with me would be through my online program very cool very cool so uh anna thank you so much for coming today and uh, we really had a great time thank y'all for listening thanks so much guys